You have reached Advanced Fashion Disruptions phone a fashion fuck up Friday. Let me connect you. So today uh, is actually Thursday. I'm going to let the people know that they're listening to our our Friday call on Thursday. And the reason that you're listening to our Friday call on Thursday is because tomorrow, when we would normally be having our phone of fashion friend slash fuck up Friday, I am going to be on a plane on my way to um, Austin, Texas. Uh, I have uh, the opportunity to attend my nephew's wedding on Sunday, and I'm going to take that opportunity. Um, you know, we talk about opportunity costs sometimes, Megan, and and I realized that they may come and take everything out of my house while I'm gone. And I had to decide if the price uh, of losing everything or the price of not seeing my nephew get married, which one would be the most damaging to my spirit. And I realized that the stuff would mean nothing to me. Uh, missing my nephew's wedding would, would be a burden and a hardship on not only me, but on my nephew. So uh, I'm taking a leap of faith that everything will be safe while I'm away. And I'm going to go to Austin and see my nephew get married. I love that you're doing that because um, hearing in your voice in previous calls um, privately, it was definitely a source of anguish for you. And I'm so glad to hear huge, that huge a way was found. I, I cried for days. Every, you know, I had to, to sort of lock my emotions down to keep from... Uh, crying my eyes literally out i was dehydrated from the amount of crying i was doing because i wasn't going to go and i finally decided you know i don't think that they're going to come um my situation here is tenuous but i I do not believe that they will descend on me over the weekend and um it is far more important to me to see my nephew's marriage and to be at his wedding and to support him and uh his beautiful uh fiance soon to be wife Liliana than it is to have this stuff. Now I may have my friend help me move the patterns tonight so that my patterns are safe, mm-hmm. but everything else, the couture is safe. Oh, and the kids wear line. Um, make sure that all of that's safe. Um, I wish I could move the dogs, but they will be okay. And actually mm-hmm. I think Nellie would bite anyone that tried to come in. They would have to back off until they could get me home to control her or they'll shoot her. Nellie, don't get shot. Well, and it's funny that we're discussing this because I wanted to talk to you today about um, legacy and obligation. Um, And you're speaking definitely from a um, familial obligation. But it's my understanding that the same topic came up with our guest um, from the previous day. Uh, Carol from Ditto Forms, that she had a sense of obligation um, when she took over that company to yeah, continue you know, that, that on. That story is really kind of interesting. And and I may have it wrong. And if I do, Carol, please um, correct me. But I believe that uh, Carol does her own sewing. She sews. Um, I'm not going to critique her sewing because that's not her her main drive in life. And I believe that maybe she was going to uh, purchase a ditto form. So she would have the form of herself to make herself clothes, right? Uh, she's a tall woman with broad shoulders. And as a tall man with broad shoulders, I can tell you that it's really difficult to find things that are stylish that fit when you're, uh, um, uh, you know, a, a Titan. So um, 
I believe that when she was trying to purchase, uh, the woman who owned the company was on the verge of folding. And Carol took that as an opportunity to buy the company and take it over. And um, what she has done with it is amazing because I know that she she is solvent now. And uh, she's been doing this for, what, three or four years, maybe four years, five um, and to be solvent in five years, especially on the heels of a pandemic, shows how much intention and drive and how smart she is. But mm-hmm. she definitely has a legacy company, right? And I, I would hope that the woman that she bought it from can see how far Carol's taken it and feel some amount of pride in that and joy. Um, I know some people, when, 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 when their business is acquired and the person does it better, uh, there can be some bitterness. Um, I hope that she... Uh, the woman that she took it over from just feels a sense of accomplishment and wonder and is happy uh, that her legacy is being handled so well. I would be. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I think we've talked about um, the TED Talk founders before um, and being able to uh, listen to, I, I believe his name is Richard Saul Werman. Um, he was one of the founders of the TED Talks, but he was speaking the last time I heard him about the number of solvent businesses in the U.S. and the average lifetime course of a business in the United States is under two years. And so when you look at what carol has done and when you look at the businesses you have run and you look at the businesses that i have run they've been on the outside of the average norm for us businesses and that's some like that's actually a really pat yourself on the back incredible thing it's outside no, it, of the it, norm it, it truly is you know every business that i've ever run um they go through periods of struggle as businesses do but they've all ended up solvent and all of them, uh, you know, the uh, textiles was solvent within the first two years. Its first year, it actually was profitable, not a huge amount of profit. But then we became very profitable and we were profitable when we closed it. Uh, we were making good money in at Smithville, not necessarily selling textiles out there, but with the cut and sew business. So mm-hmm. and that is something that I use to soothe myself with on the days that I I find myself wanting to be Benson up again because uh, his business failed during a fucking global pandemic. I remind myself that um, we had become solvent. We had become solvent from out of the uh, out of the truck to uh, making sixteen thousand uh, dollars monthly income. Um, we did that in. Let me see. We opened in July, August, September, October, November, December, January, February in eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I can't feel badly. I, 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 sh- I can feel badly, but I, I, I work to not feel badly that the company collapsed because really we were, we were, we had just ignited the success that I saw Detroit could be. The Detroit fabric company was going to kick ass in a big, huge way. Uh, and it, and it's in stasis, you know, I, I don't mm-hmm. think that the only choice uh, is either close the company or sell the company. I think that there's an and. We can close the company and reopen it when we feel ready to do so. And that has been my choice in life. I have closed uh, my label down and reopened it year, two, three, five years later and continued on when I was able to. 
you know, when I had that horrible chemical lung burn, uh, when I worked for the uh, lottery department there in Texas, um, I ran the company for two years on so much prednisone that I was going to kill myself with the prednisone. And then I boxed everything. I sold everything and boxed everything and uh, didn't really take up fashion again for five years. Didn't even crack a fashion magazine. It was painful to look at other people working because I missed my passion. But I found something else to do that was worthwhile. And when I felt that I had a grip on my lungs enough and how to take the medication, we opened uh, textiles. And textiles was an amazing success. And then um, we started White Star. And when we walked away from White Star, within within the week, um, my replacement for it, I walked away from White Star and began Blue Moon uh, Apparel Services. And within the week, we were already turning a profit. We were already in the black. So I, I, these are all lessons for me to know that it is okay to walk away from a thing, to let go of a thing, to put a thing into hibernation. Um, all of those are okay. And, and it never means that we can't go back to by going forward. Um, sometimes when I've come back to my career, like, I, I mean, you know, I was really doing well when the lung injury happened financially, but critically not so well. I mean, I, I was just a really well-kept secret and I sold a lot of cool dresses to a lot of cool people. And after my lung injury, when I came back, I, I began to become a, a, an international and editorially well-known designer. So I think that sometimes time away is good. Um, mm -hmm. I, I describe it as uh, my creativity is like a berry. And when I've crushed all the juice out, I have to back away from it to let the juice fill back up. I have to go live more. I have to have more life experience, more uh, joy, more pain, more anger, so that I have a new set of experiences to distill the creative output from. And I think that we all do it in a different way. You've done it before. Absolutely. And I think it's important to let people know that you can't just be in front of the design table or a stack of magazines or technical books and have fucking magic fly out of your butthole. I mean, it's just not going to happen. You, you have to be at the design table for a period of time and then you have to release that and go have these experiences that you're talking about. Go and have these inspirational moments because it, it doesn't happen by just like sitting at the table going, give me more when it's, there's, step outside of it <laughs> yeah I, I number one i'm now picturing uh, assholes farting out glitter that's the man <laughs> out of the butthole uh and number two you're absolutely right i mean i mean I, I don't think that many creatives actually take the time to consider the actual process i think that that is and it's okay you don't have to um i think that a lot of people who are creative just take it for granted that they're creative and then they talk about things like um, writer's block and artist block and creative block and sewer's block. And I say nonsense to all of that. It's just your your brain's way of telling you it needs new experiences. Because uh, I don't know if you know this, but inspiration comes from the Greek uh, inspiritos, which is to breathe. Hmm. So inspiration comes from breathing. And sometimes we need to back the fuck away from the table and breathe and move and live and love and hurt and lose um, so that our story gets deeper 
so that our story has more intrigue in it. And then when we come back to that table, we have all of those new things uh, to inspire us, to breathe through. Uh, we have new life. Inspire is to breathe life into something. So, uh, yeah, and you know, you have a legacy company, come to think of it. You were not, I, you were not the bra company's first owner. No, no. And, and she wasn't even, well, you know, she created that company, but then she came from a larger company from the one that she, um, was. What's uh, that like? I've never had, I've never had, and I would think it would be a burden to some extent. I've never borne the burden of, of taking over someone else's company. What is that like? Uh, it's a lot of obligate. It is a lot of obligation to someone else's legacy. Um, but also at the same time, finding what your voice is in that continuation, because these are some really founding unknown designers. She was one of the main designers for a manufacturing company that was doing the man stateside manufacturing for really large labels. And so they were doing manufacturing for Fredericks of Hollywood before um, Fredericks um, filed for bankruptcy and took their um, production overseas, which is what closed that facility mm. um, in Texas. And so the heartbreaking part, um, what Ethel relayed to me, Ethel Prater was my um, bra mentor um, and what she told me, and I believe she said she was in her late 70s, <clears throat> that when Fredericks decided to declare bankruptcy so that they could recoup some um, financial losses to be able to take their manufacturing elsewhere off um, U.S. shores, and uh, that factory, when it closed, literally were throwing into the dumpster decades and decades and decades right. of hand drafting work they just wow. didn't give a shit they didn't give a shit about it yeah yeah and so hearing ethel talk about that and being able to recoup a large portion of her decades um, in that design facility within that manufacturing facility and continue on in her 70s to start a, a quote unquote brand new business, but then able in her 70s have the ability to turn that into a solvent business in fucking rural Texas. God damn. Mm -hmm. um, like, squeezy butter on your chips roll texas um <laughs> you know you know you're um, a deep east texas shit <laughs> and so um you know having such a powerful woman i'll be it um jarringly bigoted um uh, even to these eyes of mine at in, in the year 2022, um, it, it seems less jarring at this moment, which is fucking crazy. Um, that this woman was a powerhouse in what was being presented, um, as the modern 
silhouette for fashion in the United States. And it was, re and she's go remains very unrecognized. Um, and the fact that in one of my um, many, many, many <laughs> filing cabinets that I have the pattern set that she worked for Star Trek um, and the bra that she made specifically for, for Lieutenant Uhura so that her nipples wouldn't be protruding through the knit uniforms. Um, it is a legacy. Um, That's a fucking hell of a legacy, actually. It's really, and, and in one of the um, folders um, from Ethel's work, it says Michael Jordan's shorts. And oh. so, like, I have no reference to that. She never talked about it. There's no, nothing. But maybe at some point in time, she was helping Michael Jordan create these basketball shorts. And I, I imagine, you know, because she had the proximity to people who were in touch with people at that period of time, um, that it's possible that she did some designing for some other really famous people. And it's just not here. <laughs> right. Um, wow. That's intense. And so you're right. Well, you like carry all that. you carry all that. I carry all that. And, and I feel like when I shut my factories down, holy shit, Benson, I felt like I let her down. I was uh, like, Oh fuck Ethel. I'm really sorry. Mm. And um, strangely, um, given the perspective um, by my mom, she was like, I just want you to think about this just one sentence, which is, didn't Ethel sell it all to you? And so part of it is, you know, figuring out what that legacy means and that it's not all gone. The factories are gone um, for sure. I don't think I would ever want to run a factory again. That is not on my lifelong agenda. I find organizing them really fascinating. I fi would find figuring out a better way for my own workspace fascinating. I'd never want to run another factory again. But so much of Ethel and her um, creativity um, and legacy are still around me all the time. And I still do feel an obligation, but it feels different now um, with that renewed perspective of like, didn't she all hand it all over to you? Well, you know, here's something else that maybe you have, but maybe you haven't considered. Um, pieces of Ethel are in my studio and are used. So you distributed Ethel to other people who needed some of that legacy, some of that equipment. Um, you know, when I had closed down due to the, the lung injury I spoke of earlier, I literally sold all my equipment. I, I knew I could not trust myself not to work myself to death. So I sold everything and then ended up uh, taking a large section of your equipment that came from the factory. And I still utilize it. Mm -hmm. I still have it. It is still active today it is still in action um so i i don't maybe that would uh, uh something else to add to that picture of 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 you feeling that somehow you might not have been super successful because i think you were and i think that uh, ethel may have known um 
Well, and this is such an interesting butterfly effect um, scenario of this woman from East Texas and her um, ability to uh, beyond um, social foibles um, that her creativity has been able to um, have that um, butterfly effect. It's uh, very, very fascinating. You've got to look at her her social foibles and understand her socialization. And I believe that Ethel was the kind of woman who would have moved away from her history as history moved on. And as we began the conversation to talk about um, racism and, you know, if, if she's working with Michael Jordan, obviously she wasn't a raving, raving KKK racist. Um, old folks still have some fucked up language. And I don't know that their ideas are as fucked up as their language sometimes. I would like to think that of Ethel. Yeah, I would like to think that too. Um, And I wish I had been able to spend more time with her. Um, But it's just her a breadth of um, this gift. Um, from her creative studio still reveals gifts to me on a regular basis. And, um, you know, there's times where I'm calling you or like, holy crap, I literally just found an entire ass labeling printing machine. (laughs) And so like, it's this gift that keeps on giving. It really is like still after this more than a decade, there's boxes that I'm unpacking from that, particular um purchase in my life um of packing up a factory um from someone else and and it is it's the gift that keeps on giving it's just like holy cow look at that (laughs) and so you know another way to look at i while we were uh while you've been talking i was uh sorting my decks and um one of my favorite decks um the death card fell out just as you were talking about this. And I thought, well, that is, that is the meaning of the card. Death is not the end. Death is just a change. And uh, as mm-hmm. far as her social foibles go, her machines are, are being used by two people who work every day to dismantle um, white supremacist, anti-black racism. So in a very real way, she's still investing. She's investing in undoing uh, her own upbringing. I love um, that. I like that too. I like that perspective because she wasn't a bad person no she she wasn't a bad person she was a product of a racist east texas Mm -hmm. and i will tell you this is all you have to know about what would have been had she lived even viter texas the hellmouth of east texas the center for some of the most racist culture in america even they protested um the treatment of george floyd even they came far enough to understand their own racism and their own part in it. So I think Ethel would have too. She would have been leading that parade with her bra on. A big one, a really big one across the car. That was my favorite picture. I'll have to dig it up sometime when we're talking about Ethel. Um, And she had this big old Buick, big old lady Buick. And it was a bra that fit 
across the front hood of this Buick and hooked <laughs> on either side. It Love was, and, and she's just standing next to it. So proud. I'll have to dig this picture up because it's, it is my was, favorite was picture. He possibly part of the, the group of bra makers that worked with NASA to do space suits for those Apollo missions. It's possible her, one of her teammates. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fascinating story that a lot of people. Hey, don't Rachel, understand. shout out! <laughs> oh, you, <laughs> Let's you, find some info on this. <laughs> you bitch! You beat me to it, Rachel. <laughs> shout out, Rachel. Um, no, there, it's a fascinating story, and most Americans don't know that those spacesuits for all of those Apollo missions, uh, what NASA came up with was a complete fail, and they hired women from a bra factory to make those spacesuits space worthy. So we would not have made it to the moon. We would not have made it into space had it not been from a bunch of East Texas women sewing bras, uh, turning their skill set into making space suits that actually went to space. I think that, you know, it's amazing where we can go to if we have the imagination or opportunity. That's true. And, and how many women helped get us to some of the amazing places that we've been able to <laughs> oh, go as Always, humans. always. Always, you know, oh. just like the, um, the the movie about the the three black women uh, actually plotting most of the math for those missions. Uh, there's there were women behind all of that that never got their credit. I I think we need what do they call that? Dangerous Minds? No, what was it called? Uh, that movie, uh, brilliant movie. Uh, we'll find mm. it for the liner notes. I, I think that they need to do a movie about the bra makers who became spacesuit makers. That would make an amazing movie. Oh, that would be so delightful. That would probably make me want to unpack the rest of the boxes. <laughs> yeah, because you've got some NASA shit. You know you got some NASA shit in there someplace. Oh, my God. It would be just absolutely astronomical. <laughs> astronomical. So I, I, I have um, – I received from you also several big brown um, file drawers full of bra findings and bra makings. Um and I still pull from them. And in unpacking one of those here in Detroit, I found a bra that has to be a triple Z cup. It is the most massive bra I've ever seen. It's not the Cadillac bra or the Buick bra. It's definitely not that big. But um, I'm like, wow, this is, I call it the milk of human kindness bra. And that's why I ended up with it. To remind myself that the tit is always there and I can drink from the fountain of, of, of kindness and creativity anytime I need to. <laughs> I think that's why on my inspiration board, I probably have the largest pair of panties I've ever made to remind myself to put on my big girl panties every time. <laughs> put on your big girl. I have to put my big girl panties on often these days. I have to remind myself to calm the fuck down. Um, I am creating my own legacy and uh, this story has not ended. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't believe I'm going to die anytime soon. So, I have no idea. Uh, what I do know is historically when I've had any kind of a collapse for any kind of reason, um, I have come back bigger, bolder, stronger, and made larger strides and, and have not only made up for the lost time, but I surpass it. So losing two and a half years, I may come back. Uh, I'll actually be right on course for my business plan and my, my you know 10-year plan. Um, but I may take strides and, and end up at the end goal in the next year. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that I can, and I do know that my legacy will not be written until I'm done writing it. Yeah, and that it's going to have the po 
same proliferation that Ethel's machines did. And I find that part so very fascinating. Right? You know, I'm, I'm already taking on junior designers now. I'm going to launch a children's wear line. I, I'm recognizing, having gone to, to work at university and teaching students, all of this knowledge is, is now passed on. Uh, not all that I have, but I have passed on immense amount of knowledge and know-how. And um, that is comforting to me as well. Does it, does it comfort you to know how many people you've taught? It is comforting. Um, and I think that my most urgent need now to satiate is that my daughters are asking to start to learn how to That's sew. And so awesome. I'm loving that. But they're also going cuckoo bananas upstairs. So I have to tell you I love you <laughs> and go find out why they're yelling at each other. <laughs> right. I sent you some cards. I, I did pull cards uh, because I knew that you wouldn't have time to pull woo-woo cards today. And I will tell you that um, the cards that I pulled today before you go, I pulled um, from the Asho Zen deck, I pulled Beyond Illusion as we were speaking. I pulled um, Creativity. It's a pregnant woman giving birth to rainbows and light. I pulled Existence. And the final card that I pulled was the source. And isn't that all about legacy? Going back to the source. It is all about legacy. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to look those up. I love you, brother. Yeah, I sent, I, I, I didn't actually send them to you. I thought I had. I'm going to send them to you through Messenger okay, right now. Perfect. I can't wait to see them. I love you too. And I hope I that you. you have a good trip. And I I am expecting, whether I get it or not, a message when you get back to um, the atelier and everything is copacetic. <laughs> oh, like we're not going to talk almost every day that I I'm know. gone. <laughs> yeah, I right. love you. I'll see you later. I love you too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to <clears throat> Thank you for listening to Advanced Fashion Disruption. This has been Fona Fashion Fuck Up Friday. We talk about legacy, we talk about obligation and our commitment to that, and that's probably an ongoing discussion. If you've ever felt an obligation, um, like we do, maybe to the Ukrainian designers, go to advancedfashiondisruption.com, click on Angel for Fashion and support Ukrainian designers by buying t-shirts or one-of-a-kind fashion items to put into your closet. You can listen to all of our back episodes on our website or you can listen to it from whatever listening device you choose. And you could do us a favor by leaving us a review. It does wonders really more than um, just about anything, but maybe really close to buying us a cup of cup of cup of cup of cup of coffee on our Patreon. You can find the button on our website. I'm going to leave all of this in today because I am having an extra, extra day. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye.